1: Hey Justin. Hey Andros, what's up? Do you still have? Uh, do you still have your uh, Doge coin investment? <laughs> you're damn right, I do. How much is that worth now? Uh, I think it's worth like a
2: 0.03 cents per coin. I believe something around around there, around 0.03 pennies per coin. And I have I have thousands. I have thousands of them at a total value of like two
1: hundred dollars. You're like right. a you're like a <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, I I I didn't really invest it that much, but uh, I am fascinated by blockchain, and uh, which is great because our next guest is uh, is a geek after my own heart. Like like this guy is way into storytelling, marketing, blockchain. It's like uh, it's like the holy trinity of geekness and Ooh. rolled into this one awesome package the holy uh, the holy trinity i'm looking forward to that yes and and if he tells me that he's he's like a like a like a like a marvel fan i'm gonna lose my shit so uh (laughs) ladies and gentlemen we are the marketing geeks marketing geeks all right all right our guest is a um uh, a man of all seasons if you will uh he's a digital storyteller, a blockchain marketing specialist, and he uh he's worked uh extensively in in Europe and the United States. So I gotta ask him about that. And he's uh uh led uh multiple startup companies, and he's also written a book, which we will uh get into in a very short while called Behold the Cryptopreneurs. And ladies and gentlemen, Dennis Lewis.
3: Hey, thank you guys for having me on. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for doing the show. Live long and prosper. I am a Trekkie, man. I am much oh, more geeky than
1: Marvel. God. Dude, my yeah, this will this will blow your mind. My my dad wrote some of the original episodes of Star Trek.
3: Oh, wow. That's
1: awesome. Yeah. Cool. He wrote. I mean, that's uh, almost
3: as awesome as knowing Robert Heinlein, but uh, you know, <laughs> I did know he wrote Heinlein
1: when I was a kid. They, my dad and him were friends. Oh, yeah, so his dad was a science fiction writer here. So, I mean,
2: we don't want to make the episode about Andros, but his dad was a science fiction writer.
3: <laughs> yeah, well, man, that's awesome. Then I, I, I met a girl once who claimed to be. Uh, if you if you know, there's a there was one of there was a podcane of of Mars. And the, uh-huh. the protagonist was a young girl and she claimed to be the inspiration that Robert Heinlein used when he wrote that, that story, that book. So that's as close as I got other than I did get a personal letter from his wife, Virginia, before she died. So that's, wow.
1: that's yeah. cool. Well, I, I, uh, have
3: you seen Picard? Have, have you- I have. I have. It's I, I think it's pretty awesome. Yeah. I, I love the the writing. It's it's a it's a really cool story. They're doing a good job. So
1: Oh, uh, I can't wait to see it, but I don't I, I gotta wait till they're all done
3: because I gotta see them all at once.
1: <laughs> I gotta binge watch it. Too if much, I have to wait a too week, much. I'm gonna lose my
3: mind. Yeah, oh, no, come on. That's you you gotta do it the old fashioned way. That's cheating. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm
1: a, I'm a, I'm, I'm unfortunately the, the technology has taken hold of my brain and I want everything right now. You're one of the instant, instant gratification people, right? On That's demand. I want everything on demand. So, uh, so uh, Dennis, I, I tell for, for those who don't know you, can you give us a little bit
3: about you and what you do in, in your own words? Yeah, I'm, I, I'm a storyteller. For all my career, I've known that I'm fairly good at taking complicated things and making them relatable and easy to understand. And I've done that in tech companies, I've done that in traditional companies, I've done that for clients. uh, And surprisingly, it, it's not a skill that seems to be very prevalent. Uh, we we have a tendency to take simple things and make them complicated, and not the other way around. And so that's uh, that's what I like to do. Um, you know, from a marketing standpoint, I'm always harping on it's it's the words on the page, uh, the shiny objects, and the and the plumbing are, are are exciting and fun and interesting. But if you don't have a story, if you don't have a message that really Reaches out and grabs your audience. Uh, everything else you're doing is, is is a waste of time. Now, I'm a, I'm a huge proponent of this, and
1: uh, and we've talked about this very thing on the show. But can you give us some like what are your favorite examples of this put into practice?
3: Uh, you know, we can talk today about a really complicated subject, which is blockchain, and it kind of is forces you to stretch your brain in ways that you're not accustomed to. And by taking it and breaking it down into things that are more relatable and understandable, you can you can make it something that, that people can grab a hold of. And when yeah. you understand that this complicated technology that includes cryptocurrencies and all of this other stuff isn't anything more complicated than a bookkeeping system, albeit built in a special way, it makes it a lot easier to understand. And the blockchain isn't anything more than your QuickBooks. Uh, it has a few features that are unique and, and very powerful. The fact that it doesn't rely on any one computer—that it can be—it is decentralized and split up all over thousands of computers all around the world, which makes it unhackable and makes it very secure. But it is still just a, a way of keeping track of transactions and. The key behind it is what we can do once we 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 take this technology and we apply it to solving real problems that affect real people.
2: Well, I have a question. I have a question. Let's talk because I want to bring this out um, because there is like the the common perception of blockchain, um, which I would say the common perception of blockchain is that cryptocurrency and blockchain are one and the same. That's like the way the general public kind of views this. Is is kind of the way I see, the way I see it anyway, and so how how are you like kind of retelling that story and I, and I think a lot of people view um blockchain simply as a way like we can invest in we can invest in the cryptocurrency as a way of making money, um but very few people really understand like how this whole system works like i mean I, and i've been it's It's been explained to me as like triple entry accounting, things like that um and I, and i have I have a, a loose grasp on it. I probably know more than most people about how it how it operates. But like can you tell us about like how the discrepancies between like the common story that's out in the public versus the real story kind of like does that make
3: sense sure sure so um let's let's just keep going with the example uh of a of a of a simple accounting system mm-hmm. uh if you run your business with- quickBooks or zero or you know any of these uh you know normal accounting programs you you pay for a service right you pay for uh you know, a monthly fee or you pay for your license and, and you use the program and it runs on your computer or it runs on a centralized server that the company provides for you to use it. Right. Um, well, since a blockchain is an accounting system, it's a bookkeeping system that's decentralized and there isn't a, sim, uh, a server where it runs, it runs across thousands of them. Uh, Somebody had the 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 creators had to figure out a way to pay for it uh, because they're basically using resources from you know from computers that aren't theirs, and so they created this concept called cryptocurrency, and it's just a new form of money that was used to uh, pay the people that run the servers that keep the blockchain going, and they're commonly called miners. And from there, a whole ecosystem has grown out. Uh, So the blockchain is the underlying technology. The cryptocurrency is one level above that. Then we can talk about uh, smart contracts, and then we can talk about decentralized applications. It's just a, a kind of a pyramid that grows. But it's a mistake to think that Cryptocurrencies, which are, are cool, and they and they and you know it's 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 all the vogue of you know there's exchanges and markets and they go up and they go down and they're volatile and you know you can go into Coin Market Cap every day and look is it red or is it green or is it you know is it sh- sh- taking off like a rocket or is it falling like a rock but all of that is kind of secondary to the actual potential of the technology and how it can be applied to solving real problems. And once we really focus on that and we stop making the speculative side the center of the conversation, then we're opening the door to immense changes uh, that can really uh, improve lives of people everywhere.
1: What would you say to somebody who thinks that Satoshi Nakamoto actually was from the future and brought the information of blockchain to save humanity, and went back in time and uh, delivered <laughs> the document that
3: was the, the blockchain instructions. What would you say to someone who believed that? I mean, if you're going to believe that, I mean, isn't that like a really complicated... I mean, if you're going to come from the future and go back to the give some information, I mean... Wouldn't you rather give them the winners for the lottery or, or you, know, the, you know, who's going to win the Super Bowl in three years from now? I mean, it, it seems that seems like an awful hard way to turn that into a problem. No, it, um, but it would be
1: it'd be a technology that could that could literally
3: save humanity. But so then why wouldn't you just bring the technology for traveling in time? I mean, be, it, be, wouldn't that be even more useful. Good point. No, because you're, you're a,
1: you're, you're a Trek fan. You know, that the, 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 uh, <laughs> the, the prime directive, you cannot, you cannot interfere with the growth of a, uh, of, of a budding society, but you can uh, help it in small ways that will not alter their perception
3: of reality. Uh, maybe maybe so but I, I i think we could probably find better stories to explain the, the, the <laughs> oh the, yeah the, buddy? The okay
1: challenge accepted <laughs> so um so so okay but but you did mention that that crypto has the potential to really uh uh do something dramatic to for for us as a species Um, Can you elaborate on that a little bit?
3: Sure. Let's, um, you know, there there are all sorts of ways that we can use this technology. We could use it for healthcare. We could use it in making supply chains more efficient. But let's just take one step back and think about democracy. And, you know, just uh, just a few days ago, and I know this is recorded. It might maybe it was a few weeks ago when you're hearing this. There was a big. Uh, there were elections, in the caucuses in Iowa, and it was a big fiasco, right? And everything failed, and it basically caused a crisis of confidence. Nobody knew who the winners were. Nobody, you know, nobody. Then people start saying it was a conspiracy and it was a, it was rigged, and who knows what all happened there. And one of the reasons that all that came about was it was dependent on a centralized application, which they deployed, and it failed. And then it was a very complicated process to reconstruct the data and to make sure it was done correctly. Uh, Using the blockchain, which is an indelible source of storage of data, so once a vote would be recorded on a blockchain, it's unable to be modified. Nobody can tamper with it. By using this technology, we could have solved that problem in a very elegant way. And we wouldn't be talking about the fiasco in Iowa or whether Iowa is now completely obsolete, and we would be uh, talking about you know, just the results. So that's one example. And another example would be, what if we could have a, a blockchain that recorded every transaction that our governments make? And every person in every citizen could go in and look at those transactions and see who was paid what and when and for what purpose. Imagine how that could change. You know, we could see, we could do forensics on that. We could see if there are being transactions, circular transactions that are splitting off and ending up in somebody's pocket. I mean, think of how that could change our perception and the way that our money which we pay as taxpayers uh it could be used these are just a couple of little examples man you 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 give me chills
1: because i actually uh believe it or not i made a list a personalized list of all the things that have to happen in order for america to really be saved and rebooted like like the list of like the essential these things are the only way we're going to get out of this mess the only thing and uh two of those uh in the in that very long list was uh, uh blockchain voting uh with uh, ranked choice and uh and and uh some sort of open ledger system so people can track what the government is doing i love that idea of the open ledger system though because
2: that it's it forces transparency in an industry that has zero so i mean it's. Uh, I think this would. This is great, and it could even work for public companies. Um, sure, you know. I mean, they already they already released their annual reports, but you know, people want to know where the money's going, and this is a, it, to me, it makes sense that like this kind of technology, like what you, you describe as forensic accounting, um, would be really would be a great application of uh, of blockchain.
1: Well, I mean, above and beyond that, you can also do things where you uh, you have a a. Um like a, a purchase that you make, like you buy your iPhone and you can track where that money goes to. And you can see everyone who touches that iPhone, the components that go into it the resources that are being used. I mean, imagine that if every purchase you make, you had to be like, Oh, the environmental impact on this is enormous. You know, I mean that the, this, so, so let me ask you uh, this, cause I don't want to like dominate the show like I usually do, but uh, what, what,
3: like, how could we implement this as a country? Like, how can we get this going? Well, I mean, I, I think that you're, I mean, like anything, I mean, it, the problem isn't the technology. Uh, you know, the problem is the humanity. It's how do we uh, push our elected officials into a corner that they definitely don't want to be in? I mean, the last thing most politicians want is accountability. Uh, the last thing they want is transparency. Yes. Uh, how do we, as a society, organize ourselves in a way that makes that front and clear something that we demand? Uh, so, what
2: what kind of story? What kind of story can we tell around this that might change the conversation? Like, what what? I mean, what kind of a story is there to tell here that that could hmm. totally change, like make, you know, make the public get behind this?
3: Yeah, I think it, it, it has to happen incrementally. So, you know, we it, it starts smaller and we and we see it, you know, we see the it, the 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 application. And then we say, well, why if we can do a then why can't we do a plus B and then why can't we do a plus B plus C? And, and at the end, you've got the whole the whole equation so maybe something like you know blockchain voting is is something i mean you know foreign governments are hacking our elections they're they're influencing us through social media but they're also you know literally attacking computers that are used to vote and and some right. of these computers don't even have paper uh, backup they're just touch screens that can be totally oh
1: available. it and this drives me crazy that one of the biggest manufacturers of this technology is Diebold. Who are the biggest ATM manufacturers in the entire, you know, planet? And they basically have said that like, oh, we can't do paper receipts from our machines. It's not possible. But it's like you can you can tell me how overdrawn I am down to the penny but, and give me a receipt telling me that, but you can't tell me who I the machine for?
3: Yeah yeah so I mean uh, those are excuses obviously. Um, but the, the applications to this to the technology that we're talking about they, they go they go from everything from humongous ideas like you know that open ledger down to, to small you know things like uh, how can we help people that don't have access to a bank account uh, manage their finances mm. uh, you know and and, and and maybe that seems silly. But it's not. And it's not even silly in the US, uh, you know, where you have literally millions of people that are unbanked that can't get a bank account. And, you know, we're not you don't have to go to Angola or or, you know, some other place, a remote place that we already think is remote to find that there are people that don't have access to basic uh, financial services, be it because they live far away from a bank or be it because they don't make enough money to be. Uh, Then the banks don't care about them. They don't want them as clients. You know, there are lots of explanations. So, you know, there are uses for this technology. Imagine owning you, owning the control over your health records. And you're the one who says this doctor can access my health records. And when I'm tired of him and I will go to a different doctor, I can revoke that access. And you're not running from office to office asking the doctor to give you your health records hmm. you know it's the other way around um you know I, how could that you know facilitate better healthcare more efficient lower cost um you know you, you in, in the beginning of the show you said you know hey we'll have to talk a little bit about europe and and, and the us and you know one of the the the, the things of somebody who you know i, I spend a, a lot of my time in europe and and and, and in the us uh, and when you do that, you realize how backwards our healthcare system is compared to the rest of the world. And there's no com- yeah. comparison. There is no saying, no, we have the best healthcare because we've got the best universities. It's just not true. Okay. you? No, I, I'm in the Netherlands
1: I'm right now. And, and I pay 175 euro a month for c- full coverage for me and my son. And it covers everything.
3: Everything. everything. Yeah. yeah. And it, 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 you, you know, you buy a, I remember, um, you know, buying a, an acne cream for my son when he had lots of, you know, he was an an adolescent. He had the, and, and the cream in the U S at Walgreens was $250, the tube. Okay. That's the price. And, uh, we reached out to a family member in Europe and they bought it the same product for 25 euros which is 25 bucks 30 bu- 30 bucks and they sent it in an envelope for 5 bucks and it was 30 bucks total okay the exact same product the only difference was yeah. where you were buying it no- nothing else yeah and and it's absurd and that's the problem
2: with it's the problem with private corporations running you know pharmaceutical companies that kind of thing they they get these patents that are good for a few years and they have proprietary rights for the drug and they can charge whatever they want with zero competition. And that's what happens. You get $225 creams, you get $300 bottles of pills. Um, actually, at one point, I, I had a very serious illness, but I was in the ICU, uh, my, my pills were $1,000 a pill uh, for a specific antifungal medication I had to take for my lungs at one point in my life. Wow. Um, so it's, it, yeah, it's it's insane what some of these prices can get up to. Now, one of the things that with blockchain too, though, is that you're you're centralizing all your health records into a single database where they're starting to do this anyway now. But I mean, up until the last like five years, this didn't even exist. It was just like every doctor had their records. And unless you fax them to the next doctor, you, you were starting from scratch every time you change yeah. doctors. At least in California, it seems like they're starting to create kind of a central database. But like blockchain... To me, like one of the big applications is that it creates this worldwide uh, decentralized database about your health records that if you want to pass access to somebody, they can they can see everything. So you don't have to fill out these questionnaires every time you go to a new doctor answering the same questions over and over yeah, and over. the, the, the
3: fifty <laughs> like, pages of 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 doing it every time you go to a specialist. and And it's not just that. It's also that you control who has access to that information. That, yeah. that the keys to that information should belong to us as individuals. It's not a centralized database that depends on, you know, Microsoft or IBM or any other company, which could uh, has to do a good job of custodying it, and that's not necessarily an easy thing to do. And I don't want a big corporation, you know, selling that information because they can
1: no absolutely yeah. and and you know the the thing is and this is this is actually i there's one hope that I have and i i i I don't really talk about this to too many people uh but but i i I truly believe that that the, there can be a global revolution in the sense that people all over the world are starting to protest and they're all protesting about the basically the same things, and uh you know the banks have a huge control over our our how we operate. Um, and, uh, you know, the flow of data, and 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 our data is not ours. But if, if all of a sudden individual stores just said, okay, we're going to take this certain type of blockchain currency, and uh, uh, within a few weeks, uh, you could set up an entire system that uh, decentralized, like the banks basically would lose all of their power. It would be like, oh, you owe us now for this credit card. Well, I don't use that money anymore, so go, you know, suck an egg. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and, and I, I think that that, you can't say that, but that, but if, if that happened, I could see some sort of application being introduced that all of a sudden people are like, yes, like, like a Snapchat or an Instagram, like it just blows up and, and, and businesses start using it. Individuals start training it among each other. And, uh and I, you know, everyone would just have to follow suit.
3: Right. And yeah. Well, and, and let me, you know, that, that goes to really another really cool example. I mean, um I talk in the book a bit about Mark Zuckerberg. I, I call him the uh the single biggest threat to humanity, uh not because of Facebook, but you know, about because of the mythology that he has propagated. But because he's an evil android from
1: outer space that's taken over a uh, human form. <laughs> yeah, <he's, laughs> Come on, let's he's be real, man.
3: Data. He's bad data. Right? Uh, no, he he's bad right? No, he's the Borg. No, I don't. I don't think he's the Borg. Um, <laughs> but I think the mythology that his, that has been created around his persona that this you know twenty two year old visionary in a Harvard dorm room can build an empire that changes society, and that's what you know, business leaders should look like is very, is, is, you know, I'll take my hat off. He did it, but that isn't the norm. And that isn't the way sustainable businesses are normally created. But one of the things I always ask myself, and I have a really cute pit bull puppy. Okay. Her name's sky. She's, she's, she's adorable. Every time I share a picture of sky uh, on one of these networks, why does he get richer and I don't, it's my puppy. Right, I'm the one who took the picture. Why is my content making Mark Zuckerberg richer? Okay, um, it, the answer is easy because we're the product, we're the thing being right. sold. We're not. And you, 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 you agree to the user agreement. That's right. <laughs> yeah, you do. But, you didn't read the agreement. Yeah, you, yeah, and and you didn't negotiate the clauses. You didn't you didn't yeah. send them back and uh, sit down and say, "Hey, I'm okay with clauses one through eight, but number nine point five, I'd like a, a special exemption." <laughs> um, the deal here is that uh, why couldn't we have a a social network where everybody participates in the wealth that's created from the content that we're yeah. all creating, and that isn't a far fetched idea. And no, why shouldn't that picture of my puppy help pay the rent uh where i live i I, I agree with you uh, and i it's funny because this conversation
2: was brought up to me probably a year and a half ago, and I didn't quite understand it back then um, but i I get it now and, and it's it's so basically you you're you are using like an attention type of token so if i if I have my my facebook uh, my Facebook profile and we're using blockchain technology if I'm drawing eyeballs, and Mark Zuckerberg is able to run ads against that and make money off of me, why, why don't I get a piece of the pie? Exactly. And yeah, and, and it took me a while to cut kind of, this is so backwards compared to the way that we run our society and historically how we've run how capitalism has operated. So it took me a while to wrap my head around exactly like what this means. But it, it the more I think about it, the more it totally makes sense. Like I'm the one generating this content. Um, I, yeah, I, am the reason that you're able to make like all this money on ads. And if you look at the, the spread between like what people make off the ads versus what Facebook generates from their ad revenue, it is astronomically in oh, yeah. Facebook's favor. The house wins. Oh, of course. So and, there's, and, and, uh,
3: and I'll, and I'll say, you know, they built an amazing machine. Okay. From a marketer's point of view, there's nothing like Facebook. I mean, there really is Yeah, but it's
1: been weaponized.
3: It's been weaponized I, Yeah, now. it's been weaponized completely, and, and you know, that's part of the game now. But, you know, I think that we, it's time now for a new model to come forth where everybody gets to participate. And that's what decentralization is about, and that's what the kinds of things that these technologies allow us to to build models. You know, I like to think about it on a kind of a historical point of view. And, you know, if you look back and you say, look at the 20th century, the 20th century was all about building big corporations. It was all about taking, you know, big, creating global organizations that were attacking specific problems. Right. And the reason that was, is that was the only way to do it. You know, if you wanted to build, manufacture cars, then you, you needed a global cor- corporation to do that. Um, but the 21st century, the trend is completely the opposite. It's all about empowering small organizations and individuals to actually compete in a global marketplace. And blockchain plays a fundamental role in that because it, is the, it allows us to create a, an economic framework where that can happen and where you can earn your share from doing your little piece of that puzzle. And uh, and that is really an empowering idea, and that's why I get really enthusiastic about this technology. It's not just because Bitcoin is going up, or Ethereum is going up, or Dogecoin that uh, you know Justin has hoarding in in his in his wallet uh, is going to make him rich. You know, I, I just
2: love that Dogecoin was started as a joke. I mean, come on, yeah. you gotta you gotta love well, that. <laughs> you
3: know, and and, and, the, and what, so is Scientology, the... by the way.
1: Oh, yes, that's right. It was a challenge, I think. Yeah.
3: Actually, actually, yeah, another
1: little tidbit. Uh, my father, he, uh, science fiction writer, Theodore Sturgeon, uh, knew L. Ron Hubbard. And apparently, uh, my father was uh, at a party when he, uh, and talking to L. Ron Hubbard. And it was my father who relayed that Elron Ron Hubbard said to him, if you really want to make some money, start a religion. And
2: um, so <laughs> apparently, and he did. Uh, and he did, and he won the bet. He won the twenty bucks. It,
3: it, it. So, yeah. uh, <laughs>
2: and, and and the billions and trillions that he whatever they make now with tax tax exempt. And now Tom
3: Cruise works for him. Yeah, exactly, right.
2: no. he works for. We all work for Tom Cruise, though. Um, <laughs> So, so Dennis, all you gotta do, all you gotta do is blackmail what, like, five hundred IRS agents independently, and they'll give you tax exempt status. I mean, that's what we learned. Uh, I watched the documentary, dude. So. If we get like ten <laughs>
1: listeners, Justin, we should do that. We should totally do that. <laughs> I give the marketing geeks tax exempt status. We'll start our own religion, <laughs> and it'll be the mark. You know, the church, bad, of, bad. church okay. of the marketing geek. Um, so, so you know, Dennis, you bring up an interesting point because uh, I, I've often felt, and I believe this very sincerely, that. The only way that we as a species are going to get out of this mess is when the, the watermark will be when a little girl in Afghanistan can take a tablet, educate herself in any way she chooses, start a business and have control of her financial destiny uh, and and be able to communicate with other people that can help her. and uh, And when that happens... We will, but the first thing that needs to happen is global internet. So uh, uh, I believe that uh, Elon Musk has a plan and he's like starting the Starlink thing. I think he's gonna turn on the internet free for the world. And if he does that, it's gonna help save humanity. And then I'll be like, okay, you're one of the good guys and not not a super villain. Cause sometimes i will have, have the brain chip. All the the brain chip installed onto us. You won't because you're too scared of it. That's right. I'm gonna wait till version <laughs> three.
3: Uh, so
1: a, um firmware update. so okay so so how how do we how do we get there dennis like how how can we get to that point like like what's the fastest route for us to, to get to to that yeah,
3: like i yeah that's an awesome question because utopian thinking is is fun but it's useless if you don't plan the route you have to get from a to b and just dreaming about b isn't going to get you there and um, one of the things that happens in this this industry, the blockchain industry, is very peculiar in its ethos, and it has a, a lot of interesting people in it that have lots of really kind of far fetched ideas. And, and um, you know, there's this sort of this aura of decentralization is going to happen to everything, and everything is going to be, you know, on the blockchain, and everything is going to be decentralized. And the honest to God truth is that's not going to happen. We, you know, the uh, first of all, humanity has already proven that organizations of people are useful, uh, be it religions or be it governments or be it you know companies or businesses. You know, we don't need to throw the baby out with with the bathwater. Um, it has to be incremental. It has to be how can we take this technology and empower businesses that already exist and make them better so they compete better? How do we bring in new business models that open the doors for that young girl in Afghanistan, where if she has a great idea, uh, she can find the, the funding to make it happen. She can find the audience to talk to, to tell her story to. She can find the tools and the, and the people to collaborate with so that they can uh, build whatever it is that she's decided that she wants to build. And maybe she'll be an amazing success and maybe she'll fail. I mean, the first three or four or five, six times, you got to fail. But the important thing is to create the infrastructure that allows those experiments to happen, that allows those people to have a chance. And that's what opens the door to breaking some of the molds that our society is anchored on, you know you're talking earlier about banks and and you know the truth is is that twenty four percent of the entire global GDP goes to the financial industry, and that industry produces pretty much nothing, okay it moves bits it it does something that used to be very hard, which is store money and allow transactions to happen and uh now. Most of that can be done without big work organizations. You can move a uh, billion dollars for pay- peanuts now on on the blockchain. Yeah. You know that that happens. There there have been billion dollars transactions that have happened, and they they paid fifty five cents to make it happen, right? Um, And And you
2: can see the trajectory, though, we're moving away from that society of like where everything is based in bank fees. Like we're slowly moving away from that, even in the stock market. I mean, like Robinhood is the classic disrupting app that took away stock fees that that were just accepted as the norm for years and years. And so, yeah, so the blockchain is allowing us to get away from all these bank fees and just letting banks invest our money for we pay them to invest our money, which is insane. Well, actually,
3: we so. <laughs> we we pay them to create money out of thin air. Okay. Yes. Uh, first of all, people, you know, and this is one of the things that's so interesting, and it kind of makes people expand their thoughts. Um, because I get asked a lot. You know, Ayahuasca. I, I, yeah. yeah <laughs> that yeah, too. That's, that's another that's one of those things. One. But uh, <laughs> you know, I get asked a lot of time. People will say, "Isn't this cryptocurrency stuff just monopoly money?" And you know, the truth is. All money is monopoly money. Yeah, we're just printing paper. Yeah, we're (laughs) we're we're trading. We're not even trading paper anymore. Banks create money every day by just pulling it out of thin air. It's called fractional lending. They they as long as their balance sheets are, in quotes, uh, sufficient, then they have a license to print money, and um, you know that money is only valuable because we we all agree that it's valuable. And so, you know, the, the same goes for a cryptocurrency. The reason it has value is because there are enough people that believe it's valuable. And that once you understand that all money is monopoly money, then it opens the door to saying, OK, then why should, you know, only big banks and governments create money? Uh, why should they have the the own the sole right to do that? And they don't. And basically, you know, Cryptocurrencies aren't going to go away. They can't unless they turn off the Internet. And once Elon Musk gives us free Internet to the entire world, then there will be no way to stop blockchain because it is a decentralized right. technology. It, as long as there are computers out there that can run the, the programs uh, and they can communicate with each other through a, a, some sort of network, then it's going to exist. There's what I
2: like about this, is it's creating like tons of paradigm shifts in the way that we think, like all these different ways that we're changing, we're changing the way that we think about things like we could, ma- we could be making money off of us posting on Facebook, like that's a paradigm shift that not everybody's going to understand or get right away. Um, but it, it makes sense in the grand scheme that everybody wins from that. Yeah. Banking. Like that's a paradigm shift that we you know, we can oh it would, we don't destroy the banks, banks it would, to, to, yeah to to invest or to, like you said to pull money out of thin air, so it's it's all just changing the way we think about things.
1: But you also you also uh, it would kill like the the cell phone companies. I mean, if 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 Mark Zuckerberg was one of the good guys first thing he would do is he would say no political ads whatsoever <laughs> like you know number 1
2: yeah, let's uh, just get rid
3: of
1: them but there are, there are
2: publicly traded companies that are like we we need to make profits i don't know that's, yeah. that's another problem with publicly traded
1: companies but but number 2 if if he was if if the man was in integrity what he would do is he would say okay we're setting up our lira uh, blockchain uh, you know little coin but it works like this when you buy an ad You're buying the coins and then you can follow the coins and see who's getting
3: paid. And, and And, uh, why aren't you getting paid when you share that post? Right. You know, you're helping it go viral. Why don't you get a share of the, of the revenue that, 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 that's created, you know, why can't that buy you half a Starbucks cup of coffee, you know, uh, you know, once a month or, or, you know, or pay the rent depending on the content in the audience you have. Absolutely. But, but if I'm paying for an ad,
1: right? Mm -hmm. I want to see how much of that is actually going towards the pocket of Mark Zuckerberg and running Facebook. And how much of that is like, how much, how much profit are they really making off of me?
2: Well, YouTube is a good example of this, because they kind of have this model already where you are, you're the content creator, you're able to monetize your YouTube channel, and you're able to make money based on the views of that. But they are a publicly traded company. and If you look at the books, the money that they pay the content producers is, absolute pennies, pennies compared uh, that's to that's what, what i was going to say there pennies. is
3: no yeah. uh there's no the the model is interesting and it and that's the right way to go perhaps but it isn't uh it isn't incremental steps yeah incremental steps <laughs> there there the, the money is going to google do do not uh, you know doubt a bit oh, yeah. no mistake about that <laughs> yeah so so uh, uh, Oh well, well. One of the things I, because
1: you're a storyteller also, because you were talking about the utopian society. But I, I would like to know: are you are you working towards? Because it's it's impossible to really say, well, I want to be part of some sort of thing like this, but there's no one really leading the charge in a way, and it's hard for people to lead the charge, right? Uh so so, what are you doing to try and make this a more of a possibility for our reality
3: well yeah uh thank you for putting the weight of the of the of the, of the world on my shoulders i appreciate yeah, it's it you, it's I, your
1: job to solve everything
3: man yeah, so you no do problem. it you're on why, why so, haven't you fixed this yet <laughs> you know i i get up every morning i i write a task list and i say okay today world hunger and tomorrow we're going to do democracy yeah i've, I've got it all planned out uh, Israel,
1: I'm, get to Israel, the Palestinians. Got to get to yeah,
3: that. that. That's, that's <laughs> I think, next month. Uh, it's on my list. Okay. Um, I thought Jared Kushner already solved that, Andros. That's <laughs> <laughs> a good one. No, I think the <laughs> thing is that he thinks he solved it. <laughs> yes. Anyway, um, having said that, you know, I work with companies. I help companies uh, tell their stories. I help them uh, – I I I work with entrepreneurs – I work with people that are building these technologies and I try to help them understand that it's not just creating a technology that doesn't serve anything. You know, uh, as a marketer, I'm proud to be a marketer because I believe marketing is helping people solve problems. And if you have a solution, you 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 have a moral obligation to try and solve as many help as many people as you can. And if that helps you turn a profit, that's great too. But you know, the reason why marketing is essential is it helps spread the word. It helps reach the people that have problems that need solving, and that problem might be that you're hungry and you want a pizza, or it might be that you, uh, you know, you need to solve democracy for for all of society. And and both both problems deserve solutions, right? Uh, it's not a question, especially that, the pizza. Yeah, definitely. I mean, what would life be without pizza, right? I mean, yeah.
2: Well, let me let me ask you this. I, I want to take a step back here because your brand, you run Greenlight Digital, mm-hmm. um, which appears to be a, a marketing, storytelling, branding type of agency. Mm-hmm. So let's let's talk about some other applications of storytelling. For instance, like I, I was looking on your website, the first case study is a, a men's underwear company. It looks sure. like. Yeah, we've done um, lots of stuff. So, but let's let's take let's take like that example. Like, you have a you have a, a men's underwear company. You want to tell a story. Um, you want to differentiate yourself. Like, tell me, like, what did you do for this brand in terms of storytelling? And and also, I want to hear a little bit about like how you view um, like how you define branding too. I'd like to hear a little. Bit.
3: That. So I know sure okay that one. so yeah well that's uh you know actually we're i'll, I'll tell you the uh, another underwear story because it's a little more current right now we're working with the company that works uh it's one of our traditional companies it's called undercare and they uh this is it, it, this is a product created by a lady she's an artist she's a designer and she uh she created underwear that disabled people can put on by themselves Because you don't have to put, you don't, it it, it kind of wraps around and it closes and it's easy to put on. It's easy to take off. And you'd you'd be really surprised how many people struggle every morning with something as simple as putting on your underwear. And how debilitating, I mean, you know, that's kind of an embarrassing thing to have to live with every single day waking up thinking I got to have, I need somebody to help me put on my underwear, you know. Well, as I alluded to earlier, I mean, I,
2: I was in ICU for two months at one point during my life. And so uh, part of that was in a medical coma. The other part, I was in a bed. But I understand how debilitating it was being in a hospital bed. And I was unable to do any of that. And I, so like, I, I get it. Like uh, when you're in that position, it's impossible to do things like that. So there's, there's a very
1: real problem being solved. What if you're two consenting adults and you're just into that?
3: Uh, hey, yeah, I mean, you know, underwear isn't just putting it on, it's taking it off. <laughs> and you know so uh,
2: that's a whole nother that's a whole nother story. You just got a job
3: it <laughs> so you know <laughs> and and, and so, so the way you know you you do this is you tell the story and you and you and you know our our concept there was that it's life changing underwear because it really is, you know if you wake up in the morning and you're three steps behind everybody else. Because, you know, while everybody else is worried about getting a cup of coffee or, or getting to the office on time, you're worried about, is somebody going to come help me change my underwear? Uh, the fact that you can do that by yourself actually is life changing. It, it's independence. It's, it's the ability to, to take care of yourself. And uh, that's, you know, that, that, that helps a lot of people. And so, you know, that's it's empowering. Yeah, you know. it is empowering. And that's how you tell a story because it touches somebody. It it, it has an emotional connection. It has uh it 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 really, you know, and you know, you could make a joke. You say, I've got life-changing underwear. Well, you know, for most of us, that's that's just a funny kind of I thought, you know, my, my underwear is not life-changing. It, it you know, maybe it, you know, maybe it attracts the right partner, it is, but you know, for 90% of the population, it isn't. But for the other ten percent, it really is, and it's a real problem that they sort of struggle with every day, every day of their lives so the the storytelling is all about solving problems and it's always about starting with who you're helping, who you're serving, and that's what makes great marketing great so
2: and what does branding where does branding tie in and is is the
3: story become the brand or like how how do you tie the branding in yeah I for me, you know. I guess there's branding with a big capital B and then there's branding for everybody else. Uh, The big capital B corporate branding, you know, the Coca-Cola, you know, that, you know, uh, it's a whole different story. And and it's almost a myth that we push on smaller companies because they're never going to get there. Okay. They're, they're, they're not going to stand on a hill and sing a a song about, you know, sharing the whole world deserves to drink a Coke. Right. And And, and, they're
2: not, they're not investing a hundred billion dollars a year in their advertising. (laughs) Exactly.
3: They don't have the resources to make that happen. Okay. So for the small B, it's all about actually delivering on your promises. It's actually about making sure that, that when you say that your product helps somebody it actually does and when it does there's a trust that that's created between that client and yourself and to me that's the essence of, of branding for most companies it's that trust that you build between the people you're you're offering your products and your services to and the the solution you're bringing to them so you know that that to me is is everyday normal branding uh you know i always tell my customers you know it, it doesn't matter what industry you're in you have two ways of doing this you can uh you can be successful doing easy safe marketing by spending lots and lots of money that is one of the alternatives you have if you have that money to spend or you can do it by telling really great creative stories that are ingenious that really grab people but it requires being brave and it requires being bold and you can't just play
2: it safe. Now, I'm, I'm on your Greenlight Digital website. And I see that you, um, so beyond the the storytelling, you're offering a variety of different services, you're helping people with email marketing, content marketing, advertising, um, mm-hmm. media, sure. outreach, PR, all, all these different services. So when you're taking on clients, like who who are you typically working with at Greenlight Digital? And are a lot of people coming to you just for the story aspect? Is that like a consulting arrangement a lot of times, or do most people come with you looking for the full service type of? um...
3: It kind of depends. It depends on the, you know, we, we, we're more focused now for the last few years on tech companies and blockchain companies, but we do continue to take on uh, traditional companies. uh, And we do have the resources to do content marketing, to help them tell the stories because that is in today's world, you know, Every company has to be a content company. You have to be saying something. But you you but yeah. you but can't do it with a – you can't half-ass it. I'm sorry. You can't do it and be sweet and nice and uh, not offend anybody and not say anything bold and not say anything with meaning because if you're too good and you're too comfortable, then you will be ignored. And most companies – can only solve that with money or with ingenuity. And we're good at that.
1: Or or, or it could backfire. Uh, case in point, do you remember when Pepsi did the, in the middle of uh, like Occupy, they did this commercial oh, yeah. where uh, Kylie Jenner was like doing a photo shoot and she sees a protest outside and then she joins the protest. And it's like- you guys are trying to be political about nothing. Like yeah, the, you didn't say what the protests You, you, you wanted.
2: You want it both ways. You want it both ways. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah and, it, it, and everybody saw through it. It was it was one of the worst marketing disasters, uh, like like of uh, the probably of the 21st century.
3: And that supposed to show you that you know how it and it didn't it didn't hurt. Pe- I mean, it was probably embarrassing for Pepsi at the time, but they're still here, right? We're still. Oh yeah, I, they, they, they got, got their, their base. They They did, okay. you know, and 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 you know, all of us were thinking the disaster for Volkswagen just a year, a couple of years ago, was going to be. <laughs> Terrible, right? I mean, yeah. you know, it was it's almost forgotten uh, about now, right? Yeah, <laughs> and, there, and there they are. They're still Hey, there were cards, some right? people
1: that thought a game show host as president would be a terrible idea, but nobody listens to me. <laughs> <laughs> now, let, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the book. So you have the book,
2: Beware the Cryptopreneur. Well, Behold. Uh, a, behold, behold. I'm sorry, Behold, not Beware. Where, was, did beware? Not beware. Where
3: did the Beware Not Beware. Uh-huh.
2: Behold. Behold the Cryptopreneur. Talk about talk. Just talk a little bit about the genesis of the book, uh, when it was published, what uh, what it covers, and then also what that book's done for you and your brand uh, as a you know as a business storyteller marketer.
3: Right. Well, uh, the book is is all about things that I've seen and I've I've learned through helping lots of companies in the blockchain space. Um, You know, I've seen a lot of projects from the inside, from behind the curtains. I've seen. You know, why they, they, you know, we've helped raise probably about $50 million for different companies through different, you know, different projects. But a lot of what I saw was that an industry with so much promise was failing in a lot of cases for a lack of just basic entrepreneurial skills. Skills like, you know, what do you do with the money once you have it? How do you administer it? How do you not fall into Total warfare with your partners uh, you know a week and a half after you've raised a bunch of money how do you um, you know how do you keep the focus on actually solving real problems instead of solving you know technical things that you think are are cool uh, you know it, yeah. you can't uh, it, you know these are these are basic fundamentals and so I go into that and I talk a lot about that and then I also talk about ways of using uh, the blockchain to actually solve some of the problems that we saw with ICOs and with, uh, you know, the fundraising that was going on, especially in, you know, 2018 and, and <laughs> the end of 2017. Bit connect. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, one of the things is is that, you know, one. I think one of the key things that you can learn is that there's absolutely makes no sense to take a 30-something tech, CEO, whiz kid, guy who's never done really much of anything and give him 20 million or 30 million dollars or 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 God forbid hundred million and And mm-hmm. those those were happening. And they don't have the skills to deal with it. And it doesn't make any sense from a business point of view. They don't need that money up front. Uh, they, they suddenly think they have to be Warren Buffett uh, from you know overnight. Uh, they're not, they fail, and they lose. And these are just lessons that I've personally seen happen and so you know why not take the, the ability to use the blockchain and to use smart contracts which we didn't get into and we should on another episode because it's a really amazing technology Love that that, it, yeah. that yeah. is mind-blowing uh, and create a model that helps projects raise money over time as they deliver on the promises that they've, they've made to the people that they're working for. So-
2: to and to this point, though, so, distributed so, ICO. So to this point, so we have, I mean, ICO uh, is an initial coin offering for those of you that don't know. So it's like an initial public offering in the stock market, but for new cryptocurrency coins or blockchain. I should say blockchain coins. Um, which which coins do you see that are out right now that have the most potential? Like uh, you mentioned smart contracts. I believe Ethereum is the main one running smart contracts, yes, if I'm not mistaken, I, like I could be
3: wrong. Yeah, but Ethereum is the most well-known uh, blockchain that, you know, smart contract enabled. Uh, but there are more. Uh, EOS is out there. There's a lot going on in the in the in the in the sector. Uh, I'm not so big. Enough. Where do you see the most promise? You know, I see the promise in the projects that are making the pie bigger, that are talking about the problems mm-hmm. and not the, the technology. For me, that's plumbing, okay? And, and you know, the same goes for marketing. You know, uh, chatbots are cool. Uh, you know, funnels are amazing. Uh, all of the, you know, all of the possibilities for targeting. And, you know, we have tools that can, that, that can do things that, you know, that people think you can't even do. But all of that is plumbing. If your if your offer isn't good, if your if your product doesn't work, if your messaging is off, it doesn't matter. So, you know, how many transactions per second you do, or are you do you have a cool consensus algorithm or do you have a are you doing sharding? All of that is technical stuff that's plumbing. And, and
2: we, we sometimes laugh because we have people on the show, like more often than not to talk about how they built their business. And it was like getting on the phone. We just called people, we called business owners. That's how we did it. And we, when we talk about all these like fancy marketing techniques and funnels and chatbots and all these ways of automation, but a lot of times it comes down to those core
3: fundamentals of, I just picked up the phone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and Hey, you know, there's a lot to be said for actually having a conversation with people, you know, that's uh that's a good way to learn your market.
2: Well, ultimately, all sales become a conversation. Just a matter of how that conversation gets started, and, and the technology can help facilitate that conversation. But all, uh, um, uh, eventually, it comes down to that human-to-human conversation when a sale
3: gets made. That's definitely true, and it, and business is always done between people, and then invoices are done between companies.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I you know, this is something that I I try and and stress you know, in, in marketing in general is that, uh, uh, you know, and I've, in fact, this is a funny story. I, I did a, a company that I'm working for. I made a small documentary about the people that work there and, uh, and posted it. And the feedback I got from the company was that, uh, well, we, it, it's not super polished. Like a lot of our other content is, it doesn't quite match the aesthetic and they always do like these high end, you know, hundred thousand dollar, uh, videos. Uh, but when I posted on LinkedIn, that of course was the thing that got the most uh-huh. views. Right. Uh, and I shot it with my cell phone. And so, so, uh, it, 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 the, the, the truth of the matter is that people connect to the story. They connect to the people. I, that's, I, I love that. That's, that's how you're bringing all this, uh, stuff together, uh, because, you know, it even gets into how the sales are done. This is how, how new marketing is done. So you are definitely, yeah, uh, got I remember
3: on. I remember doing a video sort of like that for a client a, f- a few years back. It was uh, they were a service provider. They 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 and and literally we presented the video. It wasn't that, you know, big production stuff, but we presented it at a, one of their meetings and we literally had people in tears.
1: Yeah. Wow. And
3: it was because the video was all about the stories about the people that were actually on the front line doing the work and that you don't get over it. I mean, it's, it's human. It's, 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 that's what, how we're wired. You know, we, we, as people, we, we want that connection with other people. And that's what makes, you know, that, that's what breaks the ice and makes people really want to do business with you.
2: And it goes back to all of human history and it goes, I mean, and that's why we have the book industry and the movie industry because people love stories and that's how, you know, people put themselves into stories.
3: I, I say that's actually the, the oldest profession is, 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 is a storyteller, you know, the, the yeah. other oldest profession, that's, that's number two, I think. Well, you know, that's in order
1: right. to get to, to number two, you got to tell a good story, right? So, <laughs> so uh, uh, well, we definitely want to have you back on. Uh, you've got some um, fascinating information. We definitely want to get into smart contracts and uh, something uh, and other things uh, down the road, but in the meantime, we're- who knows? Maybe maybe crypto comes back. I
2: mean, it's at ten thousand right now, um, so maybe maybe it'll be at twenty thousand again, and it'll be all the craze, and then uh, and you'll be the hottest guest yeah. on the show. <laughs> so better invest <laughs> in you now. Uh,
1: so so where can where can we uh, find you?
3: So. Um- Twitter, Dennis H. Lewis. Uh, LinkedIn, Dennis H. Lewis. The book, Behold the Cryptopreneurs, is on Amazon and paper and Kindle. Behold. Behold the Cryptopreneurs. And, uh, yeah, if you go to cryptopreneurs.club, cryptopreneurs.club, you can get the first four chapters for free. nice um, So, yeah, that's, uh, I think that's a pretty shameless plug there.
2: And to close the loop on on something Andros mentioned earlier. Now um we're this is gonna be an audio format, so not everyone's gonna see this, but the but the backdrop. Let's talk about that backdrop behind you. Isn't okay, that, that look- funky wallpaper just really? <laughs> that is awesome. yeah,
3: really cool. I love it. Yeah, yeah, I don't know exactly. Yeah, I think they're they're like, I don't know, pheasants or something like that, or peacocks or I don't know. But yeah, it's pretty funky. It always makes my videos look good. <laughs> but Andros, yours is pretty awesome too, eh? Oh,
1: you like this. This is my, uh, uh, you, you can't hear it on the podcast or see it. Uh, but yeah, I've got, I've got, uh, this green wall that I bought from, uh, Ikea and, uh, by, by the square foot. So. Uh, but is it alive
3: or is it just plastic?
1: It's just plastic, but I, I do have a, a live one that me and my wife built, uh, right above me. We turned it into a lamp, like an industrial oh. looking lamp with plants on it. Okay. And, uh, and then I've got my mic on my standing desk and I've got my pull-up bar hanging over my, uh, my desk. (laughs) I thought there for a while that you looked like you were swinging from the trees. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, yeah, it gives me definitely kind of a monkey.
2: I mean, you've got the
3: leaves in the background. Yeah. Um, I think that is pretty
2: awesome. Yeah. I I have my, I have my massive mansion behind me, but I I use a blue screen to put a uh, two bedroom condo to make myself look more humble. So, so
3: Oh, okay. That's,
2: that's, that's what's worth bringing up
3: the front of the Rolls Royce. That's right. It's a green
2: screen effect to make myself humble. It works. Okay. It works well.
3: <laughs> well, um, before we go,
1: we got to find out. So what are you, uh, we, we always do a lightning round. What we're most geeky about doesn't have to be uh, work related It's a TV show, movie book, comic book,
3: hobby. Yeah, I'm, I'm really uh, into the Picard right now. I think it's a, probably one of the best shows and, and it's, I like it better than Star Trek discovery. I so, couldn't
1: get into uh, that, man. I, I tried to watch it. I, I watched half a season. I was like, ah, it ain't doing it for me. Well, I watch it because I'm a Trekkie,
3: but I think Picard is better.
2: I enjoyed episode one of Picard. That's all as far as I've gotten so far, but I do, I did, I really enjoyed the episode, and it was cool to see like Data back and you know, and, and things like
3: that. And yeah, it, but they, they they they've done it a lot better than, than the Star Wars movies. You know that they that I don't know why it was that they couldn't hire decent writers. Uh, you know, how many times are you going to kill the same Death Star? I mean, you know, it, it oh, was just okay, like you know, on they took the nostalgia, Wars. but they. Oh.
2: I mean, I like how they had so like people were already complaining about too many Death Stars um, before they rebooted the Star Wars or the sequel, and they did yeah, it again. I mean,
3: they couldn't. Come but up this time, with a this time idea, the Death yeah. Star
2: is this big,
1: and now it's this big.
3: <laughs> yeah, right. It's just like a bigger one. Here's, yeah.
1: here's the thing that bugs me out, and is, is really the most uh, I've said this before, but I can't. I mean, it, it just makes me livid. It makes me livid. You have a, a movie where you you've got uh, Luke Skywalker, Han Solo. Princess Leia, Chewbacca, all together again, and you don't put them on screen together. That that Chewbacca. at all. That is not. That is an offense to all things geek. And
3: uh, and then you you make it so. Yeah, I agree. Like no, no. It, and, it, and here's a great example for you, for just to kind of close this off with the decentralization. You build the biggest fleet of star, you know, of armada of star <laughs> vessels. You put it on a planet, and you create one only centralized, I don't know what the hell it was, that makes them be able to take off.
2: Andros hasn't seen the third one yet. You're spoiling it. Oh. (laughs) Yeah, I haven't. But I'm not mad. I'm just saying. That that is is a
3: perfect example of centralization (laughs) gone wrong. They needed a blockchain solution. The, the the new Star Wars
1: movies to me are almost like like when the dog goes poop on the floor and you're not mad. You're just like, no, that's. I, I like how they <laughs> couldn't even. Even when they finally
2: didn't do a Death Star and they do this armada of Star Destroyers, they still had Death Star tech. They still had they still had like yeah, the, yeah. The Death Star missiles or whatever it's
3: it's like they, exactly. the writing Man. staff
2: is uh is ridiculous i mean i think
3: there are other stories to tell so you um, know, and picard is really good yeah picard is okay really well good about the writing it's much better
1: i can't wait to see it it's like the one show that i'm like dying to see
3: uh, uh better right call
2: Saul for me i love better call Saul and that's coming out in like another week or two so i'm excited for that
1: <laughs> is that what you're geeky about right now that's what i'm geeky about i'm excited for i like that okay show. okay I am, uh, I am geeky about, uh, I just want to talk a little bit about Parasite. I actually saw it. You did. I haven't and seen it yet, but I want to see it. I haven't seen it, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, I have to say it's a, it's a weird movie. It's a good movie, but uh, his other movie, Snowpiercer, I liked a little bit better. I saw Snowpiercer. In fact, Iris uh, hasn't seen Snowpiercer. I so didn't know it was I, the same
2: guy. I didn't realize it was the same guy who did that one.
1: Okay. Same director, yeah, and, and Snowpiercer is is, uh, is a wonderfully weird interesting movie but the guy makes cool films so i'm glad he it's, finally well, got Pierce
2: is the one with like chris evans and they're on like the train like the entire movie right am i right, uh, am, I right on or am i mixing this
3: up
1: yeah yeah they're they're on a train it's like this dystopian future where the world yep. is frozen over but they yeah. there's like and in the back of the train are the poor people and yeah that's the right yeah, yeah. People. and and the, so there's a revolt and they have to fight their way to the front of the train it's 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 mental it is so mental but i'm going to show and, iris and uh, to this point um this was interesting because
2: Netflix apparently spent a hundred million dollars on their campaign to try to get the Irishman and marriage story and whatever else they had to win some Oscars. They won one Oscar, Laura Dern won best supporting actress for marriage story, which actually is actually, I saw that it's a good movie. Um, but zero Irishman got shut out hundred percent shut out. And then out of nowhere, parasite wins everything par- probably partially due to backlash against Netflix because a lot of the people, you know, traditional cinema doesn't, like streaming so much.
1: Do uh, <laughs> the Oscars even matter anymore? It's nah, it's no, they, they don't. don't. That's a thing. Celebrity celebrity
2: culture is dead because influencers are as big as celebrities in their in their heyday. And so like yeah. we have YouTube stars that are as famous as Tom Cruise was in the 80s.
1: And and, 90s, and, and so. that's the sad part that we, we are witnessing the death of the movie star. It's it, we're never gonna have another Leo DiCaprio. But
2: when when do the YouTube awards come out? And when we're gonna get the same thing, but
1: with only with only Logan Paul and <laughs> these guys. <laughs> oh gosh. Oh thank you. So uh well, listen, man, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh we truly, truly appreciate it. Interesting conversation. I definitely want to talk to you uh, more Uh, next time. We want to have you back and talk smart contracts. Yeah. And next time uh, I want to get your uh, opinion on uh, those people who say, like, what do you think about those people who say that uh, the technology of blockchain is actually similar to the technology that all of the Galactic Federation uses? And we're, (laughs) we get in there, we'll realize that well, we can communicate and, with other. And we, we didn't talk teams. about, I'd like to talk about
2: security a little bit too. We didn't talk about security. So we, um awesome. because I know that there's one of the arguments is like, oh, it's going to be hacked, but it, there's a good counter argument. So
1: yeah. We, so we have a, yeah. a lot of other things we want to ask you, but uh, thank you so much for being on the show. And thank you. Thank uh, you for having me. Yeah, man. Uh, this was, uh, this was really, really uh, wonderful. Uh, Dennis Lewis, everybody. Thank you, Dennis. All right. And, uh, and uh, wonderful. I'm, uh, that was a great, uh, great guest. And we wouldn't be able to have our guest if it weren't for my lovely, lovely wife, Iris Sturgeon. So ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Iris Sturgeon, the producer of Marketing Geeks.
0: Thank you, thank you, darling. Thank you, Justin. Uh, Well, that sounded like a cool guy, Dennis Lewis. Great guest. That was
1: awesome.
0: Thank you for setting that up. Yeah, and I uh, from what I understood, we want him back on the show some other time. So uh, let's see if we can make that happen. Uh, but, uh, as I mentioned before, uh, guys, we are fully booked till June, July, uh, in the meantime. Everybody
1: wants a piece of the marketing uh, Yeah. Right.
0: So, uh, it's time to, we're going to make some money with this show. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, so next week, um, She's I'm, not kidding. no, I'm not kidding. We just have to make some money with this show. Uh, somebody I worked a long time for. With to get him on the show, and that's Travis Chambers. Um, He's been very busy, and finally we got him on the show. And he utilizes uh, humor in advertising and marketing to catch the attention of customers and humanizes brands through many well-known social video marketing campaigns. He's passionate uh, about having a healthy work-life balance for himself and his employees, and that results in that he is uh, giving his employees a four-day four work week. Oh, nice. And, uh, well, I, I would say four-hour work week, that's a very well-known book Tim by Tim Ferriss, who uh, I'm a big fan of his podcast, um, by the way. Which one's better? Uh, oh, the marketing's by far, of course. When, yes. is, when is Tim
2: Ferriss coming on the show again?
0: Uh, Yeah, well, we're working on a date um, after Daniel Pink and and a few others. Um, Anyway, uh, he finally got time. Uh, He was just uh, busy with, uh, you know, he and his wife having another baby, but uh, we're happy to uh, welcome him on the next show. And, um, well, uh, let's see what he will teach us and our listeners next time.
1: That's cool. Well, thank you, Iris. You're uh, a, a gem, beautiful, beautiful person. Ah, <sighs> I lucked out,
2: man. Yes, yes, you did. You did. So exciting stuff! Exciting yeah, man. stuff. So we have we have a we have a guy that's going to be funny next week. That's exciting. Good, because we certainly are not. It's about time somebody brought a joke or two to this program.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I, I maybe maybe I'll tell one if we get another listener. Maybe I'll. Uh, I'll I'll tell time. a joke. So
2: and <laughs> anyway, I I do so. want to encourage all the listeners, especially if you made it this far, please mm-hmm. reach out to us mm-hmm. on LinkedIn or email the show at info at marketinggeekspodcast dot
1: Follow us on tell the show us. on LinkedIn. Follow us on LinkedIn because you'll get like updates when we post new episodes. Yeah, and
2: yeah. Follow follow the Marketing Geeks Podcast company page. I mean, it's called a company page on LinkedIn. Uh, so you get notifications, all that good stuff, and also, uh, and again, just reach out to us. Like, let us know that you're a fan. We want it. We want to hear. Oh, I, I,
1: I love it when one of our seven listeners reaches out. It's like it's it's so warms my heart. So, uh, thank you to uh, those who do. And uh, with that, we are the marketing geeks. You don't want you don't want to play the music. Yeah, well, the music's playing right now, man. You're gonna edit your. It's playing. It's playing right now. Oh. An- another fine, fine
2: episode of the Marketing Geeks.
1: Yeah, you're, you're, uh, you, you better edit this so it sounds like there's music playing because I can't hear anything right now. I'm just ad-libbing. And that
2: was fantastic. We had what a wonderful interview it was. I'm so glad to have this music playing behind me. <laughs> and with that, Marketing Geeks, stay
3: classy. Always and safe, but mostly classy.